0: Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 Weekdays on Vision Christian Radio. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. In the pulpits of many churches, topics viewed as offensive are avoided. Yet when we open the pages of the Bible, you'll see nothing is off limits. And because Dr. Michael Yusuf passionately proclaims uncompromising truth from God's Word, today's Leading the Way will delve into an often avoided topic in pulpits and churches in general, intimacy in marriage. In earlier messages in this series, Dr. Yusuf led you through the verses of 1 Corinthians 13 often referred to as the love chapter of the Bible, endlessly quoted at weddings and known by those inside and outside the church. Today he'll turn back a few pages to chapter 7 and look at intimacy in marriage. Paul pointedly answered some very difficult questions from the Corinthian church, and these questions and answers are important for Christians in our sexually charged society to hear as well. Now don't worry, nothing inappropriate will be spoken of. Simply the uncompromising truth of God's Word that will help you navigate life in our current culture. Listen with me as Dr. Michael Yusuf begins today's Leading the Way.
1: I am convinced today that the more knowledge we have, about marriage and marital relationships, the more books we have on the subject, the more preaching and teaching we have on marriage and marital relationship, the more we focus on marriage and marital relationship, the more we see marriages in trouble. Now I understand, of course, that every culture, I understand that every generation have their own challenges. I understand that. That is normal. And we do have our own challenges. And I thank God for those who preach and teach and counsel. I'm not against any of that. But I want to submit to you today. That the more we make a science out of marriage relationship. Other than obedience to the word of God. The further we move away from the solutions to the problem. The more accommodation we make. To the symptoms of the problem, the further we get away from the cure to the problem. The more we focus on the peripheries, the further we get away from the center and the core of the problem. So what is the problem? Do you know what the problem is? What's the problem? Do you know? Sin. That is really the problem. That's the core of the problem. It's sin. And until we are willing to call sin, sin, we are exasperating the problem. Let me illustrate. Whenever I act selfishly toward my wife, I can get all the secular counseling in the world. I can get even the pastor counseling. And they can tell me why I am selfish. (laughs) They can tell me the specific times in which I am more likely to be selfish. They can tell me all the psychological reasons for my selfishness. They can tell me about the events and the circumstances in my life that triggers my selfishness. They can tell me how to avoid certain times in my wife's life cycle that triggers my selfishness. All of this analysis is gonna do one thing. I can tell you, all it's gonna do is gonna get me in a merry-go-round, and merry-go-round, and merry-go-round, and merry-go-round, merry-go-round. And it's not dealing with the core of my problem. (laughs) And the core of my problem is what? Sin. The core of my problem needs to be confessed. But instead, what we do with our marital problems is we go around and around and around and around, often wasting months or even years, months or even years that could have been spent in joy and happiness, wasting months or even years of arguing and fighting when we could have spend those months and years in peace and tranquility, wasting months or even years in hating each other when we could have the pleasure of fellowship and productivity in life, wasting months or even years in trying to prove that the other one is wrong. When we simply, I'm sorry, I've sinned. Forgive me. That would save a great deal of pain. It would save a great deal of headache. It would save a great deal of difficulties and, and misery in life. And <laughs> you know, I love this poet by the name of Ogden Nash. He he put it this way, listen to what he said. He said, you know, if you want your marriage to sizzle with love in the loving cup, whenever you're wrong, admit it. Whenever you're right, Shut up. (laughs) Isn't that great? I love that. I want you to turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Today is the truth about, is in the series, Truth About Love. And today we're going to talk about the truth about intimacy in marriage. It is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. The first five verses of 1 Corinthians. You know, the Corinthian Christians were so confused about this whole question of intimacy in marriage. They were so confused about it, so much so that some of them were acting selfishly toward each other in the home, between husband and wife. They were so confused that some of them were acting ignorantly in their relationships. And still others had fallen into the Moral corruption of the culture of the day. And so they sat down, the congregation sat down and wrote the Apostle Paul a letter. And so that prompts the Apostle Paul to write back in response the truth about intimacy in marriage, which is the subject of today. But I want you to remember this. I think we often forget when we read the scripture that this is 2,000 years ago when the words Inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to the Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, it was 2,000 years ago. They did not have 2,000 years of Christian history as we do. But here's the sad part, is that we seem to be making a full circle to paganism, just as the days of the Apostle Paul. But, you must to understand Paul's answer to them you have to understand the, the worldview of the Greeks at that time, which is really in many ways so much like our worldview of Hollywood today. And the Greek worldview in the first century, they believed that everything that is physical, and that includes the body, the human body, is evil. And consequently, if it is evil, is of no value. In fact, the Greeks used to say that the body is merely the prison that imprisons the soul. I want you to hear me right please, it's very important. This is a lie from the pit of hell. And because it is a lie from the pit of hell, you're going to find that whoever and whenever you think of the body as evil, when you think of the human body as bad, you're going to react in two different ways. Both are godless, both unbiblical, both are sinful. You're either going to do one of these two things. Either you're gonna be driven to asceticism on the one hand or to an extreme self-indulgence of the body on the other. So here's this pagan thinking. You got a bunch of people in Corinth either with asceticism or into self-indulgence and the gospel of Jesus Christ comes in and is proclaimed to the Corinthians saying, the body is good. God created the body and He created it for His glory. The body is created for the Holy Spirit of God to dwell in it. That the very purpose of the creation of the body is for the glory of God. And therefore both asceticism on the one hand and self-indulgence on the other are contrary to God's plan. Both of these extremes pervert the purpose for which God created the body. And so Paul begins, we look at verses 1 and 2, 1 Corinthians 7, saying, it is good for a man, now here's the accurate translation, are you ready for it? Not to touch a woman. When Paul says it is good for a man not to touch a woman, that is a euphemism that was understood at the time, and it's even understood in some cultures today, in some languages today, to mean sexual intercourse. That's what it means, it's a euphemism. The NIV tried to sanitize it and tried to spiritualize it and say, it's good for men not to marry a woman, but in reality, Paul is talking about intimacy. Here's what Paul is saying, are you listening? Say amen. amen. If you are a single, here's what he's saying, if you are a single, rejoice in your singleness. Don't let anybody look down upon your singleness. And he is saying, if you are single, then trust the living God with His supernatural power dwelling in you to give you the strength to remain sexually chaste while you're single. Because intimacy is a wonderful gift of God, but it's supposed to be only exercised in marriage. In a marriage between husband and wife, period if you're married, and that's really the answer to the question, and that's really what the subject of today. He says, if you're married, then you have certain obligations one to another. <laughs> of course, that is easily said than done. What are these obligations? Well, verse 3, he says, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise, the wife to the husband. Listen to me very carefully. Other than physical illness, the one thing that hinders husbands and wives from meeting their spouse's needs is sin. The number one barrier between husband and wife in intimacy is sin. How does it work? The wife says, my husband wants me to affirm him and build him up. Oh, but before I do that, he's got to gravel and crawl and and, and accommodate to me. The husband says, my wife wants me to love her and appreciate her. Well, that's good. But, (laughs) she has to stop being prickly and bristly all the time. That's wrong. The wife says, My husband wants me to respect him. That's good. But he's got to earn my respect. That's wrong. (laughs) The husband says, my wife wants me to honor her. Well, that's good. I will do that if she stops nagging me all the time. That's wrong. Now wives, please listen to me. I'm gonna let you on a secret. What would you know? I I do know. Please trust me. It is not a sin for you to boost your husband's ego. It is not a sin for you to build him up. It is not a sin to affirm his God-given gifts. It is not a sin to fulfill his needs for intimacy. Actually, the opposite is true. It is a sin to withhold these things from him. You know when the Bible said, wives submit to your husbands, and all the people who hate God and hate the church and hate the Bible said, oh, you see, Christianity says a wife must lie down and become a a doormat. That's not what the Bible says at all. When the Bible says that, he's saying to the wives, affirm your husband, respond to your husband, react to your husband in a positive way. The Bible said not, did not say, do that only if he keeps his end of the No, 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 no. You do it. Now, husbands, are you ready for some secrets? It is not a sin for you to discipline yourself <laughs> to listen to your wife. It is not a sin to recognize that when your wife is telling you about a problem that she does not necessarily looking for solutions. Man, that is hard. We as men are problem solvers, and we want to jump and take charge and fix everything. With two wonderful daughters and a magnificent wife, in the last 34 years, I have learned the hard way. When they tell you about a problem, they don't want you to solve it. Listen to me. I even now, at my age, I'm learning. That when I listen to a problem, before I jump, I say, oh by the way, do you want me to help solve this problem? (laughs) Or do you want me to just listen? They'll tell you, they'll tell you, just ask, just ask. (laughs) Listen, it is not a sin when you find your wife in a muddle that She's not looking for a rescuer, she's looking for somebody to affirm her. It is not a sin to remind your wife daily that next to your salvation, she is the greatest gift that God has given you. It is not a sin to continuously assure your wife of your undying love for her. In fact, the opposite is true. Not doing these things is a sin. You know, growing up in the Middle East, I used to think this is a Middle Eastern culture thing, about the way to a man's heart is his stomach. It's a saying, somehow made it worldwide. (laughs) It's a fallacy, let me tell you. It is absolute fallacy. I don't care what men say, that is just not true. But let me tell you the way to a man's heart. Do you want to hear it? The way to a man's heart is his ego. Listen carefully, please. God created your husbands, ladies, with an ego. He did this, you can argue with him in heaven, but that's what he did, okay? (laughs) And he created you with the ability to stroke his ego. Not to beat it down. Don't have the call of God on your life to beat him down. Listen, God gave you verbal ability so that you can stroke his ego. God did not create your husband to be a sweetie around the house. You don't want a sweetie around the house. (laughs) He created him with an ego. And he created you with the ability verbally to stroke his ego. Listen. God will take care of his head. It's not going to get swollen because God has ways of dealing with us men. So leave that to God. Now husbands. Particularly young husbands, I want you to listen to me. Young husbands, I know some of you old timers, this is old hat to you, but that's all right. Let me talk to young husbands. Do you know the way to your wife's heart? The way to your wife's heart is to continuously assure her of your love for her. That's the way to your wife's heart. It's not that they suffer from amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> We're well, close to it. But listen, listen, listen It doesn't matter, that's none of your business It's not my business You do it anyway Whether they remember or not, it doesn't matter That's not your business Your business is to keep on affirming her Keep on blessing her God created her as an emotional being And she needs you husbands To remind her Often of her worth, of her value. The Corinthians were so confused in this whole issue of intimacy. And Paul is telling them that intimacy is not only a privilege and a pleasure, but it is a sacred responsibility. So many Christians for some reason don't understand this. I hope that you will today. You've heard the words and people say, well, it's my body and I do what I want with it. Well, I'm not gonna get into this, but I can tell you something, that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that is a fallacy, that is not true. Your body does not belong to you, belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the word of God said. He says, your body is not your own, but belongs to the Lord. And that's why I said earlier, When you have the wrong view of your body, you are either going to be driven into asceticism on the one hand or ridiculous self-indulgence on the other. But in marriage, for believers, your body not only belongs to the Lord, but also belongs to your spouse. You have surrendered pleasing yourself the day you said, I do. It's a sacred responsibility. To meet each other's need for intimacy. It's sacred. It's holy. And not to surrender to each other in intimacy is dishonoring to the Lord above all. And the command of Paul here is very clear. I hope you're listening to me. The command of Paul here is very clear. Stop depriving one another. Unless it is for a period of time and by mutual agreement. And what does that mean? It means that one spouse cannot go spiritual on the other. Don't play that spiritual game. It's like the guy who went and got his wife and two aspirins and a glass of water. She said, I don't have a headache. He said, got ya. <laughs> Smart guy. <laughs> don't, don't go super spiritual on your spouse. Paul is saying no spouse should try to use intimacy to manipulate the other spouse. He's saying one spouse cannot force deprivation on the other spouse. Paul is saying that there are times in the life of a couple when they have to fast and pray for an issue in their life or their family. There are times in the life of a couple when they have to be abstained from intimacy, forego intimacy, for spiritual reason, but only by mutual consent, not by edict, not by mood, not by revenge, and not by punishment. Why? Paul said that when one makes the decision alone, without the complete agreement of the other spouse, without the complete agreement of the two, you are opening up your marriage to Satan to come in and create havoc in your marriage and temptation. Hear me right. Hear me right. I'm going to end now. Intimacy in marriage is a gift from God. And when one acts independent of the other. When one decides alone. When one acts without the agreement of the other. You are not only perverting that great gift of God. Yes, you heard me right. You are not only perverting that great gift of God. But you are jeopardizing answers to your prayer. First. Peter chapter 3 makes it very clear. When the husband and wife are not on the same page, the prayers will be hindered. The prayers will be hindered. And so I come full circle to where I began. When I act selfishly toward my wife, all of the counseling in the world will not help me. All the preaching in the world will not help me. All the pastors in the world will not help me. What I need to do is to identify my sin of selfishness, confess it to the Lord and to my wife, repent of it, and seek the Lord's forgiveness and the power to overcome selfishness.
0: Words that will make or break your marriage from your teacher on Leading the Way, Dr. Michael Youssef. Hey, if having a biblical perspective on life is foreign to you, we'd love to begin a conversation today. You can discuss questions about faith and life with one of our Leading the Way Compassionate team members. Fill out a short form at ltw.org slash Jesus to start the process. ltw.org slash Jesus. Hey, do you ever find yourself partway through the day and become so overwhelmed with work or life? That you just open your Bible in the hopes that something will jump out and speak directly to life in the fast lane. Well, we have a tool for you. It's Dr. Yusuf's devotional sent through a daily email called My Devotional. At about the same time each day, you'll receive an email with a few practical verses along with thoughts from Dr. Yusuf to give life and reason to life's challenges. Many tell us it's just what they need to hear in the busyness of the day to refocus on what's really important. You can sign up for my devotional when you go to ltw.org. And while you're there, learn about the scope of the work accomplished through leading the way across six continents worldwide. Plus the online resource store that has many free items from Dr. Yusuf designed to encourage you in your journey of faith. Just click on the store link at the top of the ltw.org homepage. Or you can always ask a ministry representative for more information when you call 1-300-133-589. one 133 589 This program is furnished by leading the way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world. Learn more at ltw.org.